Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hey, friends, and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name's Brad Piron. This is Dan Dimite, and this is Aaron Richards. Good friends in the house. Here we go. Um, Party day. With, with uh, yes, with strong high fives. We start out our episodes with strong high fives. I hope you guys enjoy them as much as we do, but I'm excited for the content that we have today. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be a Christian in the world today and how to be on mission in the world today and all the things that come with that. But before we get there, we're going to start with prayer. So, Aaron, can you... Go ahead and lead us off. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we love you, and you are the reason that we can do what we do. Our theme here at summer camp this year is Source and Summit. Lord, you are our source. You are our summit. You're the what we're made for, and you are the way that we are sustained. So Jesus, let us uh, come to understand today through this episode, through this conversation, that we can do nothing apart from you, and Lord, that nothing that we do is worth it if it's not oriented toward you. Pray for conviction of heart, Lord, and conviction toward mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. So yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit today about (laughs) what it means to be in the world and not of it. And Dan, before the episode started, we were talking about, is this like directly found in scripture or is it just something that you hear every so often? And uh, it turns out it's not word for word, but um, it's in there in a variety of contexts. Like the Lord um, tells us through John in his letter that like, we're not called to be of the world. And when you think about, just before we launch into a lot of that, when you two think about in versus of being in the world versus being of the world. Like what is that distinction besides just the word mm. being in the world versus of the world? Right. What is yeah. in and, and, and this what guy, is of? He loves his, he loves propositions, <laughs> <laughs> too, right? No, I mean, no, no matter what we're all in the world until we die. And so I think the, but you do see all throughout scripture, even Jesus says like, you cannot live of the world or you don't belong to the father. It's like, well, mm-hmm. that's a strong, those are strong yeah, words. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, mm. so we don't want to, of course, like we're trying, I think what's, what is the, the core of this like concept is how do we grapple with what Paul says or with what John says or with what Jesus says with this understanding that, yeah, but we're still in the world. And so we, we're called to live in this world and we're called to sanctify the temporal order. We're called to sanctify the world of the side of heaven. And so what does it look like to live in the world and mm-hmm. sanctify the world and to be a witness in the world and yet not allow the world to become who we are? You should title your next book, Sanctifying the Temporal Order. Yes, that was, you know, like everyone who just like studied like, like the theology of the laity uh, and my master's program would be like, oh, I understand that. Everyone else would be like, what are you talking sounds about? Like a, sounds like a Star Wars episode. <laughs> your pen name could just be like Augustine of Hippo and it would sell tons, right? Yes, it yes. kind of sounds like an old school title, but I like it. When Aaron, I hear, when I hear in the world, world and not of the world. I think back to uh, our, you know, my years in, in youth ministry, this was, I, I feel like I gave a thousand talks on this, on this topic. Prove it. And I, allow, <laughs> allow me to send you my outline. He only says prove it when it's impossible to actually <laughs> prove it. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think that this, this question, it, it really strikes at the core of the purpose of our, of our show, you know, that I really can't exist in relationship with Jesus if I don't understand how to exist in relationship in the place where I find myself, but also in a place that's entirely contradictory to the mm-hmm. to the message of the, of our culture. Uh, and at the same way, it's it's a it's a word on mission that 
the the process of evangelization it, it takes place in a culture that's antithetical to its to its very approach. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got to I've got to answer this, this this question of okay how do how do I live and how do I how do I exist on mission because both things are very difficult when I when I'm looking through the wrong lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's something there's something powerful about the fact that the Lord's left us in the world. Like I, I love Jesus's prayer in John 17 and he, he prays for us who are in the world. He doesn't pray for the world, but for us who are in the world. And I've always just been so interested in like, okay, Jesus, you don't mix your words. Like you speak pretty uh, precisely. And so the fact that he was praying for us in the world um, <clears throat> just shows me that in the sanctification of our own selves, right. And the, the world that, Jesus placed us here so that we would grow and that we could grow those around us. So yeah, really the question I think at the heart of this is um, how do I partake in the world, right? How do I do the things in the world as all humans do and not allow them to control my life too much or become too much of my life? And so when you guys think about like the different things in the world, I I was just thinking about um, on the drive in, just even like watching Netflix or like movies and things like that. I love those things because I love being entertained, which is not a bad thing at all. But how do I, how do I engage those in such a way that I can still look different, right? But also not look so different that I'm irrelevant to be able to access other people so Mm. that we can be about a work of evangelization. So I don't know when you guys think about your walk in this, like, are there certain things in the world that you um, partake in differently or ways that you've kept yourself from making something too much of your life? Just wondering, maybe there's some other areas besides entertainment. That you guys think of. I think the first thing that pops in my mind is just our charism here at Damascus. Like we, we actually, and this is like kind of the fruit of Aaron and I's at least younger life that grew into this, but like, it's, it's not like we have high adventure activities because like only for marketing sake, right? We do high adventure activities mm-hmm. at Catholic U summer camp because the adventure of those activities was just enjoyable to us. And so like, like we enjoyed rock climbing. We enjoyed paintball. We enjoyed jet skiing. We enjoyed like the, the different things we've brought in. And I think it's this idea that you can actually do really enjoyable things. Like my, the, the, when I was young in my conversion, I, my favorite moments, I think of, um, life with Christ and evangelization mixed together were just playing ultimate frisbee with the guys in college mm. while like at the in the middle of the oval at OSU. So like you're in this middle, uh, the middle of Ohio State's campus with all of these people, and yet we're just playing ultimate frisbee. And it was so amazing to watch people come up to us and literally like have like a pseudo encounter with the Christian community by watching us play because the way we played was so joyful, was so encouraging, was so supportive that, and then we would just like welcome people in and then they'd start playing with us. And I loved the questions we'd get. It would always yeah. be like, they want to say who are they, they'd say, what are you guys? Like, <laughs> like what are you guys? Cause just cause they'd play with us and they would notice there's mm-hmm. something different. Right. And at Catholic youth summer camp, it's like the seminarian or the priest or, or like last, last mm-hmm. week we had a Carmelite mm-hmm. nun who like is the epitome of like, like not living in the world. <laughs> right? She's like lives in a cloister. She's like out doing worldly activities with the kids mm-hmm. and it allows them to see that, whoa, I can actually bring these two realities together that I can enjoy life with Christ and the Christian fellowship. And at the same time, like 
have a lot of fun and mm-hmm. just enjoy life mm-hmm. in this world that the Lord has given us. Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny that you bring that up, right? Because this this message is um, particularly for the laity, right? Um, I think our our especially diocesan priest friends still have a little bit of this, where it's like, okay, how am I figuring this out? But specifically for us in the laity, there is something about going out, like, because you're going to raise your family in the world, you're going to have your house in the world, you're going to do these different things. But mm-hmm. I love what you were saying there, Dan, because I think, um, and I'd love to hear what you think about this, Aaron, like. There's a difference between feeling like because I'm Christian, I need to do a bunch of different things than the world does versus as a Christian, I'm going to be different in the things that I do, Good. right? Like instead of just doing different things, I'm going to do things differently, like yeah. like uh, Frisbee or entertainment. Like I'm, I'm even yeah. going to like engage people at the movie theater differently than other people do. Yeah. I wonder what you think about that. You know, I, I look back to like our, our, our initial call in, in Genesis was to exercise dominion. And I think, you know, I, I once again, looking back to, to youth group, one of, my, one of my favorite conversations that we would always had is you, you speak about the culture and you, you demonize the culture as, as, if, as though it's this, you know, uh, demonic or alien force that like exerts pressure upon you. But, but in reality, the, the culture is an expression of, it's, it's an amalgam of, of us. Right, some people have stronger influence than others, of course. But uh, you know, we we define we define our culture. If you look at the culture of Damascus, like Dan said, it's it's because of all the people that have come and have influenced. I mean, so much of what we do here, I, I think of like, man, Brad really drove this thing, um, really invested invested in this thing. So that that's that's I think been my mindset, my my mo when it comes to existing, being a dad, going into evangelization is is asking myself, okay. Here are people who are engaging in cultural influence. How can I grab onto those things in order to allow us to exist in a in a way that glorifies Christ? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jack's behind the camera today, and um, I, I I love like my connection with so many guys through youth group or or through camp was through ridiculous things like uh, video games and. Uh, you know, sci-fi and Star Wars and anime, like all these, all these things that are ridiculous and super worldly in in their in their definition. But uh, there, there's there's beauty hidden everywhere. Yeah, there's a common interest there. And if if you can if you can exercise proper detachment, which which means that I can exist in such a way that I'm holding on to this thing lightly, then you can begin to see the beauty in it, the presence of the Lord in it, without letting it own you. Yeah, and. Important. You know, there's a lot of perspectives that I think different people have where, uh, you know, smartphones are the devil, right? I will not allow them near my children. Or we could we could realize that technology is not going anywhere, mm-hmm. and 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 maybe I could foster a lifestyle that exercises detachment, mm-hmm. where I could I could utilize the tools that the Lord's given to the world through human ingenuity to transform the world. Uh, I, I, you know, there's probably not a right or a wrong, but that's certainly my preference. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on detachment and things like that, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> that's it, 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 it's interesting because when you, you just what you were saying about the the culture era, and I think there's just so much. Um, it is that we often in the churches demonize it as opposed to like look for the good in it, mm-hmm. and I think there's look for the good or even see my my capacity to influence. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and and the it, it, I think it's so easy to to demonize because you don't need a solution in yeah. that. You know, mm-hmm. like if I just mm-hmm. say, oh, this is bad and we, but then we're not actually providing a solution on how to transform culture yeah. and how to to be the light because that's what's really hard and that's what takes a lot of discernment and 
Um, and it, it could be because we've seen people get engaged in the world uh, who were living life on Christ and then the world kind of consumed them, right? Mm-hmm, so maybe mm-hmm. it's also just a little bit of fear. But I do think there's, um, you, you do see Jesus speak ill uh, of the world sometimes. And then at the same time, you see Jesus speak so good of the world sometimes. And, you know, he says that the earth is our inheritance. And so if I don't love the earth, then Mm -hmm. I don't love what the Lord has given me. And the Lord has given this to me. And so how do I love it and appreciate it so much that, yeah, it isn't, it's not like I... um, Man, we 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 use battle language so often too, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and, and I love that kind of stuff. I mean, heck, I wrote a book called Holiness Revolution, right? So like, <laughs> yeah. the battle language is 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 fun, but also like, there's um, not everything has to be this giant war. Perhaps it could actually be that um, I'm engaging in the world and sanctifying the world and transforming the culture, and it's pleasant and it's enjoyable and it's peaceful. And I think when we only use battle language or negative language towards the world, we actually make ourselves defensive as opposed to offensive. And the Christian is meant to be the light in the world, and the light is turned on, and it impacts everything. And it's not—it's a very offensive approach. It's not a, a, a reactive running away approach. And so uh, to be that light, I think, is more effective if we see the world as good, and we're asking ourselves in careful discernment, now how am I called to engage? Yeah, well, he prepares it. I love the scripture. He prepares a table for me in the sight of my enemies. And I've always just like talked to the Lord about that because so often when I'm in the presence of my enemies, the last thing I want to do is sit down. Um, And sometimes he'll like speak to me in that passage that he's preparing the table for me so my enemies and I can sit and have a conversation that I can actually like dialogue, that I could like go into that space with them and bring what I think the Lord wants for them into that that moment, not, not to necessarily partake in the battle, which again, there's obviously right order to that. There's obviously times when Jesus speaks about bringing the sword and things like that. Like, I'm not saying we should totally get away from that, but there's also a concept, like you're saying, Dan, that there's something about us being here and there's something we can do and we can be on the offensive, not the defensive. We don't have to fight away everything. We can actually win over things. And that's actually really important in the whole dynamic, I think too. But um, if uh, you're tuning in for the first time, we're excited to have you. If this isn't your first time, um, today's episode, I think is going to be a little different. So we've been talking about what it means to be in the world and not of it. And um, I want to kind of like um, move us to a place where I think what I want to do today is present kind of three truths that I see regarding mission in the world. And I want to just kind of state it and then hear your guys' response on it and then maybe just build a conversation from that. Because I think um, as we're kind of getting to those truths, one thing that I'm um, quick to make note of that I, that I was thinking earlier when I was praying about this is there's, I think um, in the world today, there's so many social dynamics, especially here in the United States, that are um, that are stirring within, especially us Catholic Christians, yeah. on like, what am I called to do with that, right? So like, how, how can I actually bring people to my position, right? So if you are really missional, you're wanting to bring people into what you're thinking because you believe it to be the truth. But there's this way of interacting with that that I think is uh, a wrestle in the world. And hopefully these truths can maybe get us to some kind of grounding in that. So the first truth that I want to speak about mission, I want to hear what you guys think, is um, mission in the world, you ready for this, is 
critically important. Okay, so um, <laughs> I think that's the first that your mind's blown. <laughs> Write that down. Um, um, I, it's already written down. So um, <laughs> mission in the world is critically important. Like when you guys hear that phrase, obviously it's going to like go into a lot of people's ears as like, I've heard something like this before. This seems very basic. But when you hear mission in the world is critically important, what's your first response? <laughs> Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got about a hundred episodes you can go back to. Uh, no, no, I mean it. It it bears repeating because it's part of our. It's it's part of who we are, right? This is a this is a core aspect of our identity. It's funny. I I find myself in almost every talk that I give or presentation that I give, uh, referring back to this show. That a, a, a Christian cannot be, you know, a human being cannot exist in this world in a place where encounter and mission are separated. It's just not the way we were built. So we're, we're built for, um, we're built for divinization and divinization is an, like, God is an active God. Uh, God does not exist merely to, um, I don't know, be in this little Trinitarian uh, dance, but to so that love flows out and transforms that I guess the the proper understanding of the Trinitarian dance is a love that flows out and transforms right the, uh, Jesus Jesus doesn't exist apart from the mission of Jesus the Holy Spirit doesn't exist apart from the mission of the Holy Spirit the yeah. Father doesn't exist apart yeah. from the mission of the Father that our 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 purpose is to fulfill mission it's the I mean yeah it's it's, it's not only just the way we grow in and and holiness and have an encounter. It's the way we fulfill what Jesus intended for us, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's which is so amazing. Like the Lord loved us so much that He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then He commissioned us to go into the world. It li- like literally, like go, go to all <laughs> nations. That and He said, "You'll receive the you know the the Holy Spirit, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." He didn't say you're going to be my witnesses at St. Mary's and St. John the mm-hmm. Baptist Church, right? Like that there wasn't. The witness is in in Jerusalem, in the city, in Samaria, in those cultures, in that in well, the world. Also, notably, hostile cities. Yeah, <laughs> at, at that point, yeah, that's a great point. And it's it, that you're going to go and you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to show the light of Christ. And mm-hmm. and it's just, I think that's mm-hmm. where you discover the most joy. It's where you discover the most like there's the, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over like one lost sinner, right? Then and like that's like there's more rejoicing. In, in your own life over one who comes into relationship with the Lord who wasn't in relationship with the Lord, then there isn't all the parties and pilgrimages and uh, processions that you do at your parish, right? Like there's nothing more exciting than being in the world and seeing someone. But there's also like kind of what you were saying, Aaron, there's also nothing more exciting about discovering people who are different than you so that you can enter into Christian dialogue to understand more, right? Mm-hmm. That like, I, it, it becomes dangerous for me just to, to paint a, uh, a wide sweeping brush on this is who the world is. No, the world is comprised of people. And so when I find and discover a person, um, I actually can find the image of God in every single person, even if they're, even if their mindset is totally different than my mindset, I actually can find the Imago Dei there and discover Christ there. And um, if I if I'm not engaging in that, and I just turn my back to it because they're different or they have a different mindset, I I miss the opportunity to discover the Imago Dei. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, mi- and mission in the world is critically important, right? The reason that I think that's so important to state in the way that it is, even if it is fundamental is because we're talking about being in the world and not of it. Yeah. Well, being in the world and not of it, the primary thing we were talking about is you need to be different, right? Like to be in the world and not of it really the litmus test is, are you different in the things you're doing in the world? Well, mission, the very purpose of mission is to present something different to the world, right? So mission is critically important because with like out mission in the world, like we actually aren't, aren't different because it's only in being on mission that I see the need for difference. So it's actually, it's for me and for the world. So mission in the world is critically important for me. So I can become more of the Brad I was made to be. And also for the world, because Brad has something to give to the world. Right. And that's to your point there, Dan. So I, I think that there's these two sides of the coin. And I wonder, like, when you think about, um, mission here, most people think about our missionaries and those are the people that I see change the most through mission. Like so many of them in their lives are like, I've been investing in my student centers and I've been praying every day and I've been going to confession regularly. And I even have a daily commitment to the rosary, but in my life, I've never given myself away in such a way that I am totally devoted to what's going on in the other. And the moment that happens literally over two years, I mean, it's the greatest gift I think of all of our jobs probably, but they're just different people. They're different people. People. When they leave, they are not the same person I met at Ave Maria University or Franciscan University of Steubenville or Benedictine College. Like they're a different person. So I wonder the two sides of the coin. First is for the person who's going on to mission. Just other thoughts on that. But I yeah. think there's something about mission that changes us. Well, our missionaries have retreats every weekend. And so my my Monday question when I'm, you know, socializing often is, hey, how was your retreat this weekend? And you never hear a person say, My small group was so easy and I grew so much because of it. Right. It's all <laughs> it's always yeah. man, my my small group was brutal and I I was transformed because of it. And like, it's that when we go into difficult scenarios or when the Lord places us in difficult scenarios, it, that's where the stretching in us happens, right? Uh, Aristotle said, virtue is formed in the crucible. So you can't, virtue is not formed in, in comfort. And if I live in a comfortable uh, or a state of comfort, which... Christians who don't live in the world um, because they're running away from the world, they 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 run the risk of that, right? Where they they run the risk of just living in this uh, Christendom that is super simple and comfortable, and thus virtue isn't being formed. I, I may be doing the right things, right, but the virtue may not be formed. And but it's formed in the crucible and the heat and the struggle and the battle and the beating down and that. So whether it's like it it's it may feel like it's harder to be Christian when I work in the second world, or it may be harder to be Christian when I go to a secular university, but it, it, it may actually be easier to be Christian in those areas um, because the fine-tuning is happening to you. And so I think there's so much value in that to us as—that's as, as why it's so good for us, right? And it's just like, mm-hmm. it's so good. I can grow in this. The, the, the Lord wants me to engage in this because that that fine tuning is going to happen. To me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I even love that. Uh, is it in Sirach that it says in the crucible, like the worthy man in the crucible of humiliation? I've always loved that um, that Scripture speaks right to the things that we fear the most. Because so I think sometimes the reason we're hesitant to go out onto mission to be different in the world is I'm going to be humiliated there, right? Like I'm going to be humiliated. But I, <clears throat> I've been looking at kind of like my word stuff, right? Like I love words. Those who listen know I love words. Dan and Aaron know I love words, but humility, humiliation, human, all from the same root, like from the ground, 
right? Like from the ground that, that the Lord formed us from the dust and breathed breath into our nostrils and we became a living being. And then uh, unto dust, we shall return. But this, this idea that we return to dust in, in one of two ways through humility or through humiliation, humiliation forces us into the dirt. But if we can become humble after being forced there, the crucible can happen. Like those, those deep seated fears and insecurities as the fire burns that they raise the top and we can cut them off. Like, so I can really develop virtue. So yeah, there is something about mission that really puts me right in the face. For me too, I think I have to be really discerning because like, I know the areas where I can go and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to grow in holiness and I I know the areas where I grow and there's a battle inside of me that I'm not supposed to be there. So like um it was very clear like in college, right? I'm going to Ohio State. I was signed up for Franciscan. I called my mom. I'm like, "Mom, the Lord actually wants me to be like eh, eh, like in the darkness. I'm not going to go to Franciscan. I'm going to go to Ohio State." And she was like, "We already paid the down payment for Franciscan." She's like, "Well, tell the Lord if he changes his mind again, like you're paying the down payment." But uh <laughs> uh the it's I, I knew I was called to be in that kind of a battle arena, right? But at the same time, like when we go on vacation, right? And we're on like some of these like boardwalks, right? Like it's, it, I have a really hard time. There's something happening inside of my spirit that is just not like good, right? And so uh, I've discerned that like, I don't actually want to go into those arenas anymore because there's like, when I'm there, there's like all this yuck that gets pulled out. So I don't, explain that a little more. Like, what is that? Uh, well, the, the, like just when you say yucks getting, pulled like what it, is it's, that um i th- i think it's um a lot of times when i go into darker environments yeah my heart is moved with compassion um and i'm able to actually love more for whatever reason in some environments my heart's not moved with compassion it's it's moved with anger and and frustration and so I, one of two things has to happen right i either have to avoid that situation so that i'm no longer uh in in, in a place of sin mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or i need uh, uh, I need to grow in holiness, right? Mm-hmm. So that when I'm in those situations, it, it's like the, there's a story I forget. Or maybe, both. Or, or yeah, it, yeah. Well, it, it is. It's definitely both and, right? But it's that I need to discern right now that's actually not the right spot mm-hmm. for me. And, um, but if that, the, the Lord has arenas where other people could go there and be perfectly fine, right? Um, and so I think that's a big part of it, of being able to discern personally what God has for you when you're in the world. So if you're like in your workplace and nothing is going well for you, like, and you're just like, you're not growing in holiness, you're filled with anger, like some, like chances are the Lord wants you to step back back from that for a while, really discern, is this where you're called to be? Or is there a different arena where you're actually going to thrive more effectively? And and I think, uh, to use that example, I think the reason, um, like, perhaps if I were going on an evangelization trip to the boardwalk, that's, I would thrive there. Right. But I'm there for family vacation. And so there's just like, it's also different. Like I'm not, I'm not called to like evangelize in the same way in that moment. And so that's where it's hard. Cause I'm like trying to defend my kid's eyes yeah. from the inappropriate t-shirts, stuff like that. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. He is honored by the church as a saint and the first diocesan priest to be declared a doctor of the church. 
Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. John of Avila was known to his contemporaries as a spiritual master, and he served as a guide to some of the greatest saints of the 1500s. He also called for true reform in the church and was a role model for the priesthood even today. He died in 1569. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or of an agenda that people don't want to talk about. The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Tonight, 10 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. On the other side of this coin, again, if we're talking about mission in the world being critically important, it's critically important for us because it changes us. It does something to us. It makes us more different. So the next time I go into the world, I'm able to bring that difference into what I'm doing. Now, on the other side of that coin is that mission in the world is critically important for the world. And I think that this is something that obviously we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, but I do think that in the world today, I think it's really easy for us to simply chalk it up to like the world's losing. I'm, I'm going to hunker down and stay away from it, not just in a discernment way, but I'm going to remove myself from it. And I think it's tempting for a variety of reasons, but uh, ab- yeah. above all, what I'm seeing, I think because my heart's wired this way, I wonder what you guys think about it, is that the world's going to be evangelized one way or another. It's just which good news is it going to believe? You know, like the world has really good evangelists. They have evangelists for popularity, prestige, power, prosperity. I, I don't know. All the those words have their place, but there's people in the world that are evangelizing for these things and they're catching people up in this cycle of of, that's yeah. what I'm pursuing. And the church is supposed to have evangelists that kind of, I, I don't know if combats the right word, but at least give another good news presentation so that people can choose. So if we all remove from the world, then the only good news being shared in the world is what we know to not be the fullness <laughs> of the good news of the Lord. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, I love I, I love thinking of that in, in the, that framework of the their evangelists, if you will, sharing uh, they're they're also false prophets a lot of times. And sure. the I, I when I look to like movements that are spreading across the country that may not be of Christ, you know, like the LGBT movement. It's like like the, they're they're hardcore evangelists for this movement. Or we're seeing in the wake of Roe v. Wade the pro pro choice uh, movement, right? Really coming in with a hardcore mentality and message. And it's like, man, if we if we as Christians had as much passion, mm-hmm. if we had a fragment of passion that they had for our message, perhaps we'd be more effective. I mean, it just, these are people who are, are literally giving their time, their energy, their reputation on the line for the message that they carry. And, and we as Christians often sit back out of fear to proclaim what we claim to be the best news in the entire world. I just wonder when that, like, my mind goes to history. Sure. This, this, it's, it's not a, it's not a model that can win. Right. And it's not the model that was initiated in the time of Jesus that, that the, the Christian message began with, you know, 12, maybe a handful more. And, 
and, and through a through a decisive process of evangelization, invitation, and witness, transformed the world, right? Mm-hmm. And and transformed the mindset. And and today, you know, we've we've rested on our laurels for far too long. You look to the um, the beautiful work of uh, from Christianism to Apostolic Mission yeah. that you know there there has there has been a dramatic shift where we've been operating in maintenance mode which was justifiable because we you know because we owned every you know we owned every edifice and we were we were responsible for maintaining a culture we've we've lost we've lost ownership you know so we we've stepped out of dominion and now we're actually on the offensive again where we've got to be in order to actually maintain the call that we've that we've got as Christian. Well, and to maintain our inheritance. Yeah. Like it's critically important because if we leave the world to its own devices and we all isolate, we lost our inheritance. Yeah. And that's like a bummer. Now again, there's obviously the inheritance in heaven. There's the inheritance of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus Christ. Like all that's great. Yeah. But to your point, Dan, like like that every knee would bow and tongue profess, you know? And I yeah. do think it's important to look at how the world's operating because those people are passionate that are fighting for different causes. You can look at all these causes that we would believe are away from what Jesus wants for people, but they're fighting for it. Why? Because they have a passion. And when passion exists long enough, you become possessed. To be possessed by Christ, we talk about a lot, right? But I want to be so passionate about what he's doing in me and what he's doing in my family and friends that I want that for the world. And I become possessed by like, not an ideology, but by a person, by an identity that it's been Mm. bestowed on me by Jesus. Right. And so I think that the only way to combat a strong, passionate message is with another strong, passionate message. Like, I don't think these debates where each side asks gotcha questions. I don't think these incredibly intelligent people stating principles of fact is winning over the other side very well. But I think what does is you're passionate about this and maybe you'll fight me tooth and nail on it. And maybe I'll never, but, but at least you're willing to step to the plate. Yeah. You know, like at least you're willing to step up. I don't know. And what's the message? So like if, if, you know, if the, cause when I think of some of these movements, uh, spreading across the country, um, it's just a lot of yelling <laughs> and that isn't the the message that we're called to bring. It's that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and, and Samaria and Judea. And as you said, hostile areas. And so you're going to be my witnesses. The Greek there is the same Greek word for martyrs. And so you, you're going to, you're going to be my martyrs in this. And what was the message that they, that the early church brought that was so convicting was, whoa, you just died for the faith that you professed. You like your message, and I wonder. You know, you never hear of a martyr for some of these like movements, these antichrist sure. movements, right? The, like, there's not. You don't hear people laying their life down for them. And uh, right. and and it's so scandalous, right? You even hear like the mm. sometimes like you have that BLM movement where the founders it would turned out they were stealing a bunch of the donations that were coming in, right? And they were reaping their own benefit. Um, but you see that even in the church today, where sometimes you get these evangelists out there that are acting like they've got this big this big movement and this big message, and they're but then their 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 coffers are huge, and they've got all these houses and private, and it's just like whoa, wait a second, like what? Are, are you are do you look like the one you profess? And I think as we live in the world but not of it, one one way to measure whether or not I'm doing it 
correctly mm-hmm. is do I look like Jesus? Right. And, because um, that makes me a witness, right? Yeah. The martyrs, the reason they look the most like Jesus is they died for the same cause that he died for. Yeah. Which is the salvation of the world. Well, they looked exactly like him because they suffered and died. Like Correct. he suffered and died. And it's so, that's a scary, like, I'm just going to be honest when I spoke those words, I, it, it, it in and of itself is a, mm-hmm. is a examination of conscience. Like, no, I don't look like him. Like, and I'm the one trying to be in this world an evangelist for him. And I'm only as effective in that purpose, the more I look like him. And yeah. But his motto was so good because it wasn't retreat, retreat, retreat. It was yeah. I'm going to go eat and dine with sinners. I'm going to I'm going to walk the streets and I'm going to have conversations. And when I have conversations, I'm not going to talk about the synagogue. And my parables aren't about like the scribes and the Pharisees. My parables are going to be about fishing and and um, agriculture and like mm-hmm. and, and widows. Like he talked about things that people could relate to because he was relatable. Mm-hmm. And so he wonder, did it. Wonder how the story would have been different. If we had Jesus living in today's culture, I mean, yeah. we often think that because he because he wore the robe and because he wore sandals that he was like this that the poorest of the poor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that was actually probably the the living scenario for ninety nine percent of the human population at the time. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's the I think it is I think it is the principal question though yeah. that if Jesus was alive, I mean that because that's how I'm supposed to live. Right. Like like my life with the Lord is supposed to ask that question regularly. That Jesus in the same way that you walked with Simon and Andrew, I'm now walking now. And had you been in my life now, how would you have operated? Yeah. I would like to try to operate like that for the sake of the world because we need to be witnesses. So that's the first truth. The first truth <laughs> is that mission in the world is critically <laughs> important. Yeah, we I'm knocked that one out. Second, now. okay, <laughs> yes, that was a tough one. Um, this one, I love this one. So I'm going to say it again. I want to hear your guys' thoughts just off of um, stating it. So how about mission in the world is about faithfulness to the truth? We, we've probably gotten here already. Um, in in reflection, I suppose it can be maybe a little more 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 distinct in its presentation. But I think that the truth that my that my mind goes to when you when you present that topic is the truth that's 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 buried in me. Right there are there are some truths that are so important that Jesus has buried them in the human heart, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. we will not be satisfied by any other way. And I think this is one of those things. You know, one of one of my uh, favorite things to see on on mission here oftentimes is that. I don't, I don't know whether it's just us. I presume it's not mm-hmm. um, that, that when you work in the church and when you work for, for the sake of mission, that oftentimes we feel like in order to get good candidates, we really need to like scrape the bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. just convince people mm-hmm. to give their lives away. And that's not, that's not the reality that we see. I mean, what's, what's really beautiful and profound is, is when you see somebody who's, who's living by all rights, a very successful secular life Maybe even a you know successful uh, professional life, and it, you 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 know in the midst of success or in the midst of um, of accomplishing all those things that I that I've I've desired for my entire life, all of a sudden there's this moment where it's like this isn't what I was made for, right? That that I'm I've actually got to step out of what the world would call success and what many in the church would call success and step into a place where I can give my life away. Those are, those are some of the most unique applications yes. to see mm-hmm. for our missionary program here at Damascus. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I'm, I'm not here because I was a mediocre musician and I wasn't making it my own, so I need you to carry me. I'm here because I'm one of the best there is to offer, but, yeah. 
but I realize that I'm not going to be fulfilled outside of giving my life away. Or, you know, uh, we've, we've got people who are, who are leaving like successful professional careers to come into a place of, of saying, hey, what's it look like to give, to give my life? Um, I'm, I'm 90% of the way through college. On my way to a degree, I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. What does it look like to press pause and to come and to yeah. give my life to mission? Right. Because I know that I'm made for something more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny because you, as you share that, Aaron, I work with so many of our <clears throat> um, mission partners, those who give financially to our our, our cause. Missionaries here. in their own right. Yeah, and they, they are. And it's like uh, as when you started that comment about these people who live in the world, like are so successful, and yet they, they want to throw their life away or give their life away generously. I was thinking about all of those yeah. mission partners who mm-hmm. they've been so successful that they could truly inherit the earth right like they they could they could inherit the things of the earth and they could they could lavish upon themselves wealth and treasure and the the witnesses we've seen over the years of of these yeah. these men and women mm-hmm. who eat, like they prudently raise their families and they don't lavish upon themselves or their children surplus um they they don't indulge themselves in the comfort of the world but instead they are lavishing their treasure upon the kingdom and it it's so humbling. Like our mission partners are, it's like they they have reached success in the world and yet they don't want their names on buildings, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have to ask them, like, how can we honor you? How can we honor mm-hmm. you? How can we honor you? Because they only want to give and not yeah. receive. And it's so, like I, I always, I, I, I tell people when we onboard someone new in, in our fundraising community, I'm, uh, I'm always like, man, our... Our, our mission partners are my favorite people in the world because you can peg them the moment you meet them. Because if I meet someone who loves the Lord deeply and is humble in, in their relationship with the Lord, I know they're going to be a great partner for us because it's not about them. It's, it's about this mission. And but the to kind of go back to your original question, Brad, yeah. of it's about the truth as well. You see mm-hmm. that in mm-hmm. in Saint Paul so clearly. He plays out this dichotomy between the there there's going to be false prophets, and then if you will, he's presenting himself as the one who lives in imitation of Christ, the true prophet. And I would say, I I mean, Paul definitely lived in the world, and he he was a missionary in the world, and. The battle you see, if read read through the Acts and read through his epistles, the battle you see him struggling is there are these false doctrines that he is trying to help people um, combat against and understand the truth. And that is probably more apparent today now than mm-hmm. ever, uh, uh, because there are, there are so many false doctrines. And these false doctrines are presented in such uh, captivating ways with fake truths. To be pro-choice, right? Well, there's nothing more like the church is extremely pro-choice, right? Like, right. like we, like we are, like we mm-hmm. love free will, and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we speak about free will all the time, and so, so these false doctrines are presented with with half truths. Um, right. Like everyone is called to love, yes. Everyone is welcomed, yes. Right, and so these. How do I be a messenger of the truth in the midst of false doctrines that are? presented as half-truths. Well, even think about like the way that we form missionaries here, right? Uh, And the way that the church has long formed people in their identity, that the most dangerous thing that can be presented to you is a half-truth, right? Because if I I think of myself as inadequate, that's half-true. That's (laughs) half-true, but it's it's one of the most poisonous things that you can have someone bring in, right? 
those half truths are dangerous. So um, mission in the world is about faithfulness to the truth. I think you guys have hit both of those that it's about faithfulness and it's also about truth. Like in, in what strata of society is it ever successful to just find the least common denominator and form a community around that? <laughs> it doesn't work. Like it's not about saying like, let's just get to a, like a very basic thing. So everyone's accepted. And I, I think that that is something we see that once we realize that mission in the world is critically necessary, yeah. we begin partaking in mission, but because we want to be successful, because that says something about me, I lower the bar of mission so incredibly low that this amazing word, like you were saying, or amazing phrase, like you were saying, Dan, like all are welcome yeah. becomes all are welcome and don't need anything else. Yeah. You don't need repentance. You don't need conversion. Just come literally as you are and never change. Like that's just not the gospel. No. And, but all of a sudden that, that on a church, but, but that makes it no right. But then that becomes what all our welcome means, which, which then mm. we equate to success. So again, I think that when we're talking mission, we need to be faithful to the Lord and to his call to love others, Yeah. but faithfulness and love without truth is not faithfulness or love. Well, and to make this about kind of what I'm discovering is that I can't go into every conversation knowing that I have the, like, I am the master of truth, right? And I think this is, you guys know me well, and I'm uh, I, I'm a very strong-willed, high-opinionated person. And so one of the the good things about my life, uh, you laugh because, but one of, the, oh, Dan. one of the good things about my life is I'm pretty unwavering in faith. Mm-hmm. But one of the hard things is... Um, I sometimes fill in the answers before listening. And so what I'm discovering is the more I present myself in the world as listening to people, it's actually, as you said, Aaron, it's making me, I'm seeing Christ in a way that I've never seen Christ before, that there are people, even if their mindset is completely of the world and they're not mm-hmm. in the church, um, and if you will, they, 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 their mindset is the, quote, liberal mindset. As I start talking to them, I'm discovering in their words truths that I can apply for greater truth to me. Yeah, well, and, and, and you can highlight it for them. And I, you can that what you're saying them. there is true. Yeah. It's it's how we work out that truth that we might have a difference in, right? But it's even uh, it's even like what if I don't even bring an agenda? I actually come as the hmm. student and I'm hmm. learning hmm. from you even though you're totally different. Like and yeah. I don't know. I I de- uh, but I I bet Mary Magdalene was like revealed something to Jesus, not that Jesus needed revelation, but like the people he was associating mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. it it was filling him with compassion. Mm-hmm. Something was happening with him within him when he was with these people. And Mm -hmm. if I come into every conversation, if I'm at a bar and I immediately, or I'm at work and I want to evangelize, like if I assume that my coworkers, because they don't go to church on Sunday, need the Mm -hmm. truth in their Mm -hmm. life, as opposed to realizing I've got something to give to them and they have something to give to me, uh, I'm not going to be effective, I don't think. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. EWTN, communicating the faith. 
My wife is Catholic, my mother's Catholic, and I went to a weekend retreat to get married in the church. And I was just getting confused about what steps you need to take to be baptized. Because I'm willing to do that. My wife does go to church regularly, and I need to. Sure. Yeah, I can help you. The easiest thing to do is to call the parish and tell them you'd like to become Catholic and you'd like to be baptized. They'll fix you up from there. Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. And that brings us to our third truth about mission, which I want to present, which is that mission in the world is both bold and prudent. Um, I, I, actually, so I was, I was tempted to react, Dan, to the statement you were just making, and I think that this really summarizes that reaction, that when, when I when I come in with boldness, um, but also have a heart that's humble and ready to be formed, then I can realize that mission isn't just for your transformation, it's also for mine. My agenda may not be the most important thing in this conversation, but I need to learn from you. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you say, like the, the more frequently you say that and the more frequently that you act upon that, this will actually become a, a lifestyle mm-hmm. where like, yeah, I'm Dan. I'm the guy who enters into conversations lovingly and humbly and presents the truth in a way that's not offensive, right? Or, or the, uh, the truth in a way that transforms. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's in realizing that, hey, my, my work and mission is both to transform you and to transform me. Me, right. Yep, I agree. Yeah, prudence and boldness. And uh, I, I mean, actually, when I, when I heard you say that, Brad, I, I thought about um, <clears throat> your wife, Nina, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's mm-hmm. such an effective evangelist as, as a nurse. Mm-hmm. And so she's mm-hmm. in the world and she's working in the world. And yet she's such an effective evangelist. And she knows when, when to be bold and when to just build relationship. And I, I think like having those witnesses is really important. But I think back to my friends uh, who, who I have seen as great evangelists, and some of them were great evangelists because they were able to go to like go into the secular world and just like like invite, 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 and bring it. Like I had a friend, Andrew Zook, right? He mm-hmm. like just brought all these people all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the heck? Like, how are you doing that? And like, but he was just really good at being bold and welcoming mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. in because that's the charism that was on his life, the gift on his life. Mm-hmm. And he was exercising it in the world, right? Whereas other people are mm-hmm. just as as equally effective, right? And mm-hmm. yet they're mm-hmm. they're not as bold. They they it's they're they're able to build relationship and have deep intimate conversation, mm-hmm. but it's not as noticeable. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. knowing what your lane is, like what's the charism on my life? And yeah, and like how how am I called to evangelize? What gifts has the Lord given me? Because to say that one person's model is the only model wouldn't be ideal, right? So what's the charism on my life? Where do I need to grow? Right? Because that's like that's important. Uh, the charism on my life is I'm great at being bold, right? Mm-hmm. And and the Lord uses that a lot. Mm-hmm. And yet I still need to grow in that. So what's the charism on my life? Where do I need to grow? Mm-hmm. And how does how does love become the the um 
the prize at the end. So yeah. prudence mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. boldness, if directed by love, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the good news. That's right. Well, and, and I want and I want to be more well rounded. That like I, I think what happens so often in the church is that we give um like it's a fancy word, but like temperamental attributions to certain virtues. So like extroversion is cheap boldness. Introversion is cheap prudence. They're not actually virtues. You're just falling into a natural disposition of your Mm -hmm. personality type and calling it a virtue. Uh And anytime you cheapen virtue, you're doing a disservice to you and to others that yes, like I, I do find like in myself a boldness, but I also know I'm extroverted. So there's times when I operate out of my extroversion and people affirm me for boldness. And I'm like, well, no, I wasn't actually being bold. If I checked my heart, <laughs> I was just being how I kind of am. Now, again, yeah. that's not bad. It is recognizing though, that there's always more there. And then also on the side of prudence, like I, I've, I've just seen it. Cause I've even done this myself where I, I tell a friend of mine, who's more naturally introverted, like you got to get bold. And they're like, well, that's not who I am. And you got to get prudent anyway. And it's like, wait, but now we're talking virtues where I think what we were talking about more is personality types and making ourselves uncomfortable. So Brad needs to not speak as quickly. That's a little uncomfortable for him. You need to speak more. That's uncomfortable for you. Yeah. Well, let's just join the discomfort party and let's like grow together, you know? So I think the reason I I like thinking about boldness and prudence, not as a false dichotomy, but as two virtues that need to live in tension within us is because you can naturally learn from someone else. And because it challenges us not to just attribute cheaply a virtue where it's just a personality type. Right. I think. I think a good way too, when I think through boldness and prudence, is this a short game or a long game? So like if it's, if it's just third and 10, I'm passing the ball, right? Yeah, like, because yeah. I, 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 there's, there's an urgency there that, that I have to move the that's ball wise, down the road. Wise, yeah. And, but uh, you know, if it's first and 10, I got I, a lot I'm, of options. Yeah, I got a ton. And so like, if I'm, trying to minister to my coworkers, well, all of a sudden I can be much more prudent because I've got time and and my evangelization is going to be the long game as opposed Mm -hmm. to if I'm on the airplane and I'm sitting next to someone like, Mm -hmm. well, I've got one hour and this is going to be fun. Right. (laughs) So like the, it's being able to discern like what's the moment, what's the position and what's the play I'm supposed to do in this moment will help with navigating. How do I evangelize right now? That's really good. Well, why don't, um, uh, conversation, in the world, not of the world. In order to do that, we need to be different. In order to be different, we need to be on mission. Mission has some truths to it. It's critically important, so go do it. Um, but when you're doing it, make sure that you're faithful to the truth. And while you're faithful to the truth, make sure that you're walking this line between boldness and prudence and not just giving yourself an excuse to be the way you've always been because we all want to grow at all times. So Dan, you want to go ahead and close us in prayer? Pray in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for giving us the earth. Thank you for giving us this world. Thank you for calling us to have dominion here. Lord, I pray for us who are listening to this show and for the Christian body of Christ right now, that you would raise us up to exercise dominion again, that we would reclaim culture in our own lives and reclaim culture in this world. Lord, that we would um, exercise um, a spirit of the Lion of Judah and also carry uh, the peacefulness of the Lamb, that you would allow us to transform lives through transforming the world. Lord, I pray that whatever really convicted hearts today, that you would allow Mm -hmm. that to remain with them in their prayer time with you, and that you would shift lifestyles from today's conversations. All those who are on mission in the world, sanctify them, bless them, and make them authentic witnesses 
of you, Christ the King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app.